Good morning and welcome. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. Solo all week this week. Uh, hopefully Homer will be in tomorrow and, and uh, we'll bring you all up to speed. Our toll-free number, 800 951 The website at allamericangold.com. And there's so much to do out there. I mean, not only do you get all the news and the clips, uh, you can follow us on, on our podcast. You can follow us at Patriot Trading One on Twitter, uh, our, our blog. I mean, you name it. We've got all of these ways to keep all of you informed. And, you know, we, we've been talking about it, especially here over the last three or four weeks, this historic opportunity that presented itself in in gold and silver it's coming to an end uh in case you have missed it the new treasury secretary uh was on tv this morning and boy did he have a lot to say a very very uh you know of course this is another one of these uh wall streeters uh steven uh muchin uh very Oh, what do I, he's a banker, you know, the Goldman Sachs guy. And he is now the new Treasury Secretary. You know, this is, you know, Timothy Geithner, Hank Paulson, the snow job, John Snow. Now, now it's this guy. And he had pretty much everything to do with why you're seeing a huge increase in the price of gold this morning. Matter of fact, gold's up uh, 18 bucks, $1,250 this morning, um, and, and premiums just shot shot way up. So here's, here's, what I, here's what I'm going to do. You have at least, unless, unless prices really jump again from here, through the end of today, U.S. $20 liberties and $20 saints. So you, you can pick them. You can mix and match them. We don't care. Uh, at $1,300. Okay, so that's $50 over spot. Uh, barring anything dramatic changing tomorrow, I'll let you know. Let, let's just say we come back here tomorrow, gold's, gold's just right here at $1,250. Uh, you're going to see it, 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 it's going to be a $25 hike across the board. Uh, so, so take advantage. Don't wait any longer. Uh, and I'm going to give you plenty of reasons to do it. Uh, because what the, our new Treasury Secretary said today is really a huge indicator of where the deficits are headed. And, and we're going to talk all about that. We're going to break it all down. Uh, silver is rallying as well. Uh, like I said, they're brothers. They always go together. Uh, silver's $18.13. Uh, we have Backdate Silver Eagles, best deal in town. Backdate Silver Eagles, another $423. I don't know. I didn't get an update on those. My, my, but my guess is it's going to be the same thing. They're going to go quick, uh, especially now uh, gold's broken through another resistance point, uh, and we're really we're, we're, we're staring uh, – uh, those election, the pre-election gold prices in the in the face now, and I and I told you really 
that that night after the Trump election win, when gold shot up, you know, that $60, $70, that's where we're going. And and really, after what the Treasury Secretary had to say today, uh, just reaffirms everything that I've been telling you, uh, this is going to be a very interesting decade. Very, very interesting. And also, the Federal Reserve got some actual data today. Not the survey stuff, not the seasonally adjusted stuff. I'm going to give you uh, 85 different components of the economy. Listen, they get more data than anybody. We're going to talk about that data. And then, of course, what was it that Janet Yellen really said? And really, she didn't say it. I guess the Fed minutes that came out yesterday, what did they really say? Are the rate hikes coming? How many are coming? What is the what is the Fed's view of what the economy really is? And and what can we expect? And I will tell you right now, uh, it really took some work because uh, as soon as the minutes came out, within twenty minutes of them coming out, they had been. You know, well, let's just call it what it is. They just bastardized them. They took out all the uh, all the details, and they just wanted you to hear what whatever message they decided you needed to hear. And and fortunately enough, I was able to get a hold of some of the uh, unedited versions of what the Fed had to say. So we're going to be sharing all of that with you. It was really fascinating, and really probably not. But it'll be very different if you go to the, our website. Matter of fact, our very first article on today's website it talks about the Fed minutes. And this is the what I'll call the sanitized version, uh, the version that whoever it was, the powers that be, decided they wanted to portray. That's the article. But then I'll give you... Uh, the real details, it, it's its one of those things where, again, I don't understand it. Right? Why not just print out? I mean, they print a release, just print that. Right? And here it is. Uh, but instead, that's not what they want to do. They don't want you to hear about the dissension. They don't want you to hear about what was really obvious, which was the Federal Reserve's confused. And I've been saying that for a long time. Uh, got a great show lined up. We're going to talk about what it was the Treasury Secretary said that got gold moving today. That's coming up next. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Uh, got two lines open. Just be patient. Uh, Arlene is going as quickly as she can. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is this is the start. You know, we, we, we've been in this historic opportunity here where the premiums had come way down. Uh, gold shot way up today, uh, $1,250 to the ounce, but the premiums on top is really what's done it. I'm, I'm ignoring the premium increase for, for today, at least for right now. If gold, gold jumps another uh, $10, bucks, i am going to have to go up with it. Uh, but $1,300 today. Uh, and I can tell you right now, you're going to save at least at the minimum $25 a coin between today and tomorrow, assuming no changes 
uh, in, in, in what's happening in the markets. Uh, 800-951-0592. That's just really, it, it really has been amazing. I can't believe it's gone this long. You know, to be able to buy that, you know, really, you know, you think about, and I thought about this as I was uh, driving into work this morning. This price, you know, so we've got gold, you know, spot at 1250 you got to remember what spot is. Spot is a contract, a paper contract, that miners use to hedge themselves when they've got some uh, gold deposit in the middle of nowhere. Right? And they, they tell people, hey, there's you know a million ounces of gold in the ground out here. Of course, there's no roads, there's no power, there's no... There's no mind yet, you know, and we need to raise some money and they'll sell futures contracts. And so, you know, I always tell people that's kind of gold right out of the ground. It's got, you know, have you ever seen like Gold Rush? Have you seen the gold shows, you know, and, it, and they got to just move tons and tons and tons of gold. You think about South Africa, they're like seven miles in, under the ground to get it out. And they sell these contracts. And that's what the the spot price is. And then, of course, you know, it got, has to be refined and put into bars and then put into strips and then put into uh, coin form and all of those things. Uh, so this would be really any time, any time that you, you look at what you're being able to buy it for today, any time during the 14 years I've been here, I, you're, normally that would be below my cost. In other words, in a normal market, if gold was 1250 my normal cost probably would be about 13 and a quarter. You know, because when you think about normally, we, we sell 20s on a normal market at what somewhere between one, let's say one twenty-five to one hundred and seventy-five dollars over spot. So you're sitting here, and really, when you look at it in any normal market in the fourteen years at least that I've been, here, you would be buying it below cost. So this is a great opportunity. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. So let's now get to what happened. What could the new Treasury Secretary possibly have said? And I pulled up our good friend. He was on CNBC this morning. And it says that that they're committed, and he reiterated this today, to a very significant tax reform by the August recess. I'm going to tell you, I don't know if that's even possible, right? Because you got to go through Congress, and Congress normally doesn't move that fast. Uh, but but let me give you the details on it. We want to get this done by the August recess. We've been working closely with both the House and the Senate. And he wanted to say, and here's what he said. Hey, we're primarily focused on a middle-income tax cut and simplification for business. Here's what that really means. 
Big business is going to get a big tax cut. I don't know how much of that will go down to the regular working man, but they'll tell you that it will. Let's hope it does. Let's hope it does. But then he went on to say something very, very interesting. Two different things that he said that really changed things. One of the things that they've been talking about, the border adjustment tax. It says that, you know, that's obviously what we're talking about, an import tax. Bringing in new revenue, right? Kind of, who's going to pay for all these tax cuts? One of the things that he said is that they were definitely looking at the border adjustment tax. And he says the plan had, quote, unquote, interesting aspects. But there was some concern. One of the other things that he said was, yes, I know that the scoring of the tax cuts will not necessarily be kind for the deficit. But he said that don't be surprised if the Trump administration, they're going to use their own scoring. <laughs> hey, listen, we know it's going to, we're going to score it different, though. You know, so, so don't be worried. None of that really moved anything. It wasn't until he said the following, that the Treasury is now looking into the 50 and the 100-year bond. Now, why would the Treasury want to start looking into 50 and 100-year bonds? And then you got to start asking yourself, who, who would want to buy a 50- or 100-year bond? Now, one of the things you have to remember is less than not even two decades ago, they were talking about getting rid of the 30-year bond because they didn't need it anymore. Because the deficit was going to be paid off by 2010. And now the new Treasury Secretary comes out on TV and says, hey, listen, I know we're running these huge deficits, but they're going to get a lot bigger. Because we're going to get this tax cut because we want 3% GDP growth. They don't care what the cost is. We just want 3%. And oh, by the way, Get ready, because we're going to have to probably start selling 50- and 100-year bonds, because there's just going to be way too much debt out there. And then I got to thinking, how much debt does he think there's going to be? And, of course, I'm on record. I've already told you, 10 years from today, forget about $30 trillion. The number is going to be forty, maybe more than forty. I haven't seen the tax cut. Then again, no details, so I can't tell you what it is they're going to do, not going to do. But but I do believe. Listen, the one thing that we can all I think agree on, whether you like Trump, you hate Trump, right? You like him and you hate him, right? At the same time, who knows? Doesn't matter. 
He's delivered on what he said. And he said there is going to be a significant tax cut coming. I believe him. I really do. And I think the deficit is going to blow up. Right? We're really in this now. This this really plays into what I've been talking about, stagflation. Because one of the things, and we've been talking a lot about the Federal Reserve and their economic models, and one of the things that that they have in their economic model is, hey, to get growth, you cut interest rates. You provide stimulus. If that doesn't work, you provide more stimulus. If that doesn't work, you provide more stimulus. And essentially, you provide stimulus until it works. And if you really think about how we've been on this trajectory here, especially really just in the last, you know, really since the early 70s, since we finally went off fiat or the gold standard went to full fiat money, this has been their playbook. And every time, they have to produce more and more stimulus, and they get less and less growth. More and more stimulus, less and less growth. And one of the things that you start to realize now is what they're really going, what they're settling for now, which is inflation, uh, inflation growth. We can't get real growth. So let's get inflation growth. So listen, if inflation goes to 3 or 4%, and GDP growth goes from, you know, what, 2 2.5%, you really have negative real growth. And I think this is kind of the cycle. Now we're going to get the, the Trump tax cut. You already think about it. We're running trillion-dollar deficits right now. How big are they going to be? And then, you know, think about what we we talked about yesterday. The unfunded liabilities from Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, government pension. By the way, another pension plan blew up today. Uh, It doesn't make front page news. you got to go to B10 of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Ivea Telecom. No worries there. They they just need six billion dollars. Uh, they filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy, and they said that they're ha- going to have to turn their pensions over to the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp. By the way, this used to be AT and T. You know when they broke them up, they say that the uh, the courts have now have the authority to decide exactly what the fate is going to be. When you start thinking about, I don't know if you've seen the Dallas pensions now, by the way, congratulations to all the residents of Dallas. Uh, They've just passed down a a huge tax increase there uh, to try to save that pension plan as well. And now we have the Treasury Secretary of the United States say we're going to have to go to a 100-year bond. And then I, I, I'm wondering, what, the, what would be the interest rate on a 100-year bond? 
Right? I mean, life expectancy is only, as far last I checked, was like maybe, what, high 70s? And now we're talking about, hey, we're going to have so much debt, we're going to have to issue 100-year bonds. And, of course, I think really this is kind of, what, the beginning of the end? You know, you think about car loans are already seven and eight years, right, to pretend that they're affordable, they're going to be, what, 10 year, 20 years. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to start seeing uh, 50-year mortgages. You know, and you start really thinking about, you know, whether it's student loan debt, credit card debt, mortgage debt, auto loan debt, and, and, and now you start thinking about pension debt, cities debt, state debt, and then you start thinking about national debt, and then you start going, right, you start losing yourself. But really, this whole thing, all of this stimulus that they talk about is debt. Really, that was the goal. Why did they bring interest rates down to nothing? They wanted people to borrow money. Now that you borrowed it all, and really, here's the problem. Everybody borrowed everything they wanted to borrow. No, it was done. Okay, now that we've loaded you all up, let's start raising rates. It makes no sense. Patriot Radio News Hour. Halftime on a Thursday. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. One of the left's favorite arguments for gun control is the possibility of someone being accidentally killed by a firearm. Liberals immediately try to capitalize on every news story about a young child who was killed by taking their parents' gun and playing with it. However, that situation only tells one side of the argument. Accidental gun deaths are relatively low in number and do not merit government intervention in our constitutional freedoms. According to the National Rifle Association's Institute for Legislative Action, guns caused 586 accidental deaths in 2014. That number accounts for only 0.4% of all accidental deaths reported. By comparison, drugs caused over 38,000 accidental deaths, and cars caused over 32,000 deaths. You will not see gun control advocates advocating against cars. In fact, liberals are the ones who want to legalize gateway drugs like marijuana. Clearly, accidental deaths are only something that they care about when it fits into their political agenda. When it comes to accidental deaths among small children, guns account for 50 out of 3,899 in 2014. Of course, no one argues against the fact that accidental deaths are tragic, especially when a small child is involved. However, the way to stop these deaths is not more government regulation. Accidental gun deaths can be prevented by gun owners voluntarily practicing responsible gun ownership. Groups like the National Rifle Association offer an abundance of resources to help gun owners keep themselves and their families safe through practical gun safety measures. Burdensome government regulations can never take the place of responsibility and common sense. Despite what most liberal gun control advocates would have you think, the average law-abiding citizen is capable of looking after his own best interests and the interests of his family. Statistics show that the accidental death argument is not a valid reason to take away people's firearms because accidental gun deaths are few in number and easily preventable in most cases. Do not be swayed by liberal lies that guns are dangerous no matter what precautions are taken. With a little common sense, guns are just as safe as any other tool in your home.
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The Constitution is clear. No matter how much propaganda liberals spread, the ability to purchase, own, and carry a firearm is a fundamental right for law-abiding citizens. To share your viewpoint on gun control, go to pseagles.com and join the blog conversation. That's pseagles.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Patriot Radio News Hour, our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. So yesterday, the Federal Reserve released the minutes from its previous meeting. And everybody's talking about, oh, they've left the door open for a rate hike in March and all of this nonsense. And, And when you look at the like today the Wall Street Journal front page Fed eyes aggressive rate increases is the headline. Unfortunately, it's not what they said. When you go out to All American Gold, it's our lead article. Even that is really it's some of what they said. But here's really how it here's how it broke down. It looks like. The Federal Reserve is divided into three camps. The camp that Janet Yellen is in is the, and and I'm trying to, the fairly soon camp. Okay, so camp number one is fairly soon. Camp number two is Go slow. And then there's a very small third camp. And and unfortunately, it doesn't say how many. It just says very small. I don't know if that's one Fed governor or two Fed governors. I don't know. That says, uh, well, I'll use the word the Wall Street Journal. Hey, we may need to get uh, aggressive with rate hikes. And I can kind of see what they're worried about. After you listen to the Treasury Secretary talk today, they're like, holy smokes, wow, this it's going to get crazy. But let me break down where these camps lie. Fairly soon. Fairly soon is the, I'm going to tell you, these people think they're going to raise rates twice. I still have, I don't believe at all that there's a March rate hike. Uh, June is probably where the fairly soon camp resides. But they gave themselves an out. The same out they've always been giving themselves. But it depends on the data. And she went back to the jobs, the jobs again. Now she talked, she did talk about two things. Jobs and inflation. So, jobs and inflation. She didn't talk about growth. Right? She wasn't talking about GDP. She didn't talk about wages. The, The fake jobs numbers and inflation. And I'm telling you right now, we're going to get the inflation. 
Then you have the Go Slow Camp. Right? That's the next biggest group in, in the of the group. And, and again, we don't know the numbers. She didn't say, hey, there's, you know, seven of us believe this and five believe that and two believe. We don't know. Right? Because, hey, we don't want to give you any details. The Go Slow Camp. That's the one that goes, hey, wait a minute. You know, I know we like to scout out all this fake phony stuff. But we have real data. I mean, they do. The Federal Reserve is loaded with real data. Matter of fact, the data, the real data came out today. It is their national index. And the Federal Reserve has 85 different categories. And they take, I know it's shocking, they actually take real data. And then they try to determine, okay, is the economy stronger or is the economy weaker? The National Activity Index is what it's called. National Activity Index. Of the 85 indexes, 49 of them said business got worse, not better, in January of 2017. And the overall national activity index was down in January. So the other, what did that leave, what, 36? The other 36 couldn't make up for the 49 that that said business got worse. And those people are saying, hey, we need to go slow. Look at the real data. I know we like to talk about surveys and, and uh, hey, maybe in the future, kind of like Wall Street. Anytime that, that anybody comes out on tax, the Dow's not really up today, so it's kind of odd because they talked about uh, the tax, or maybe because the details weren't out there. Uh, and the one thing he did say, and I don't know that it's true, I want to believe it, talking about the Treasury Secretary. He said that uh, this was going to be more for the middle class than the wealthy. We'll have to see. And then there's that third camp, which he said was a small minority that said, hey, we may have to raise rates three times. So you got two times with the fairly soon. I'm going to say one time with the go slow. And then you have the aggressive ones that are, are still saying three hikes. So that was kind of, there's your Federal Reserve breakdown. See, and they're stuck. Because they are right. Inflation is rising. The deficit is rising. And now the Treasury Secretary came out on TV and kind of said, hey, listen, we're going to need more debt <laughs> We're going to need more debt instruments to sell all of this. I don't know who will buy it, but some I'm sure they'll you know come up with some kind of market. And the actual data said things actually got worse, not better. And so now you you have a a Federal Reserve that well let's let's face it. They, they've been wrong on all the economic models, all the things they, they, they thought would happen haven't happened. But why is it? 
We're going to talk about that next. There's a new book out by Danielle Booth. I got it on Monday. Well, actually, on Tuesday, because we weren't here Monday. I keep forgetting. So I got it on Tuesday. And I'm going to share. She worked at the Dallas Federal Reserve for Richard Fisher. For those of you, a lot of you probably don't know that name. He was the one dissenter. They have all these votes. You know, it was nine to nothing, or it was always eight to one, eight to one, eight to one, and he was the one. He was the dissenter, right? He didn't want all the quantitative easing. He didn't want interest rates at zero and all of these things. And this woman worked there at the Dallas Federal Reserve. I want to share with you some of her comments about just what it is I've been talking about and how academic it really is. Welcome back. Page of Radio News Hour. Double J and the love's in the house. Been pounding the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> Got to develop jobs, you know. So, how goes. Yeah, yeah. Things are going well, everybody. And, uh, you know, you, you, so we're sitting there and we're talking about all the, just in the last 24, things happen so quick at him. And you have all these people and the, I, I guess the funny thing is, is for me, when I read it all, I'm like, okay, no one really said anything. It's the same thing they've been, they've been saying the whole time. They use the word data dependent, and they're still using it. And, and the problem is the data itself. And so there's this new book by this, this, this lady named Danielle Booth. And she was a, you know, typical of that era, right? She worked on Wall Street. And in her own words, right, she was one of those people who on the inside wasn't buying it, right? She goes in and talks about how, you know, she didn't wasn't in the selling of these CDOs and all of these new securitization uh, products, matter of fact, hammered Alan Greenspan. Because, you know, one of the things people don't realize is you know what happened? All of these things were outlawed. These securitization vehicles, they never existed until the late 1990s. And through all the deregulation and they came up with these new great, you know, let's chop up all the mortgages into a thousand little bits and all of these things. And she actually started writing from inside of Wall Street. And she got a call, and and what they wanted her to do was take all of the economic data and convert it into something people could understand. So, be you know, I'll, I'll call it the wordsmith, right? Hey, wordsmith this, and put it in plain English. And that was kind of what she was hired to do. And so one of the things that she talked about was working at the Federal Reserve in Dallas. You know, they 1,100 people worked at the Federal Reserve in Dallas. Now, just so you know, a lot of them are guards. Because Dallas is one of the 
distribution centers for the actual physical currency. And it's pretty fascinating. She talks about how just to get what it takes just to get into the building. She was like, it, I. She's a, she likened it to not that she'd ever been there, but trying to get into Fort Knox. That's how many security checkpoints she had to go through. But here's what she had to say about working there. Talking about it was the most beautiful office she had ever been in. And this was a woman that worked on Wall Street. She she said that the uh, the marble of marble and glass, talking about all the artworks and the paintings and the sculptures, the entire first floor of the bank, six acres of office space dedicated to its financial operation. They had a gym in there. And then, then maybe this is why they never see inflation coming. Do you know that at the Federal Reserve, everything's subsidized in the cafeteria? So, you're eating on the house. Matter of fact, this is what she said. Lunch is on you, America. The food was darn good and was so cheap that people would buy dinner and take it home to their family, right? Because it's like, hey. Sweet deal. What a sweet deal. And I'm thinking, no wonder why they never see any inflation. No one at the Federal Reserve pays full price. The permanent meal subsidies never failed to remind me it was an entity that operated outside the business cycle. Right? They had their fortress of solitude in there, right? <laughs> and like, you know, Ben Bernanke was Superman, and now Jenny, you know, I guess she's Wonder Woman, you know, they got their fortress of solitude. <laughs> she said, then I'm just going to, I'll just read it to you. She goes, in, in the, and let me get to the point, okay, there were days when you worked at Wall Street, you'd be at your desk day and night. Not so when you worked at the Federal Reserve. One of the few times there was any hustle and bustle at the office was at 5 p.m. exactly. People knocking each other over to get out the door. <laughs> Like Mario Andretti oh, at the green like, light. Listen, there was no hustle and no bustle until 5 o'clock. To say employees were coddled is not an exaggeration, at least compared to the outside world. Platinum benefits included Cadillac health care plans, a 401K matching contributions by the Federal Reserve itself, and a defined pension benefit system. And workloads were lighter than any I had ever witnessed in the private sector. An employee in another division of the bank confided to me during a year-end review, her boss criticized her for being too productive. I thought they wanted a productivity miracle. Well, 
Apparently, they want a productivity miracle when it comes to the average working stiff. They don't want any productivity when you actually work for them. Is this a Lean Six Sigma thing? <laughs> Come on back. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour. Final segment, Patriot Radio News Hour. Tomorrow we're going to share more with Danielle Booth. Fascinating as she talks about the people that work at the Federal Reserve and the economists and how they thought they're so much smarter than everybody else and all of this stuff. And it's, it's uh, you know what, I'm only about a third of the way through, so hopefully uh, uh, I'll finish the book by this weekend, but we'll share more and more of that. This is the newest book called Fed Up by Danielle Booth talking about her experience at the Dallas Federal Reserve, um, just providing fascinating insights into exactly what I've been talking about, which is these guys are a bunch of academics with no real-life experience whatsoever, and they're, they're in their fortress of solitude at their Federal Reserve banks looking at economic models. Matter of fact, uh, and I'll share this again tomorrow and next week, one of the direct quotes from her is actual data was meaningless to them. Didn't mean anything to them. All that they care about is their their models, their academic models. A quick look here at the markets. The Nasdaq's down 37. The S&P is down 2. The Dow's up 19. Uh, Gold's up $17 in change, $1,249.20. Silver's up $15 at $18.10. Here's the the last, this is the last day of $50 over spot. Well, I guess right now, $50.80 over spot on $20 Liberties or Saints at $800-951-0592. Just as an announcement, Anybody that was waiting for two and a half and five dollar libs, those are all going out today, tomorrow. Uh, Silver Eagles, half dollars. If you had any of those in your orders, those are all going to be heading out uh, today and tomorrow. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. That is our toll free number. Uh, the big news of the day came from our new Treasury Secretary. Uh, talking about, hey, yep, a big tax cut is definitely coming, number one. Number two, deficits are getting ready to get much, much bigger. And that really has uh, gold on the move today uh, as they talk now about the need for a 50- and 100-year Treasury note. And you think about what a difference 20 years makes. This is how quickly things have changed, right? You think about it. You know, gold was like three hundred bucks. Gold was dead twenty years ago, right? It was dead. Right? We're going to pay off the budget deficit, <laughs> right? Now, now we're sitting in a world where no matter what they do, we can't get GDP growth over two percent. 
deficits rise by a trillion dollars and only because they've got interest rates near zero. Could you imagine if we went back to 05 and the Fed's funds rate was five and a quarter? And all of a sudden they would be reporting national debts of two, three, and four trillion dollars a year. Looks like Munchkin thinks that may be happening no matter what happens. Patriot Radio News Hour. Everybody take care. Have a great day. We'll talk again tomorrow.